Now on Inside California Politics, competing views surrounding the effort to recall Governor Newsom. I'm not sure that the recall is going to qualify. And even if it does, I'm very confident that he will win. California simply can't afford to have Governor Newsom anymore. Former Governor Gray Davis and the leader of the group behind the recall effort on Governor Newsom. Plus, could QAnon and the Capitol insurrection lead to a lawmaker being expelled from Congress? She is a counselor to our democracy. The California representative behind efforts to send Marjorie Taylor Greene back to Georgia. Broadcasting across the Golden State, this is Inside California Politics. Thanks for joining us for Inside California Politics. I'm Frank Buckley in Los Angeles. And I'm Nikki Lorenzo in Sacramento. This week we learned two more candidates could join the recall race if it does move forward. Former San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner announced plans to run for governor in 2022 or sooner. And former Congressman Doug Osi says he is considering a run as well. Now, backers of the effort to recall Governor Newsom say they've gathered more than 1.4 million signatures. This week, we talked to a man who knows all too well what Governor Newsom now faces. In 2003, 55% of voters voted to recall Governor Gray Davis as the state's energy crisis and other issues mounted. 18 years later, Davis says he does not believe our current governor will face a similar fate. Governor Davis, it is good to talk to you. Want to get your thoughts, considering everything that's going on in the state of California right now. What do you think Governor Newsom's biggest problem is right now? First of all, it's good to be with you again. And I think it's very clear what his biggest challenge is, which is to vaccinate as many people as safely and as rapidly as possible. Uh, the vaccine is good news. Uh, it promises a day when we can return to a new normal uh, and with uh, cooperation from the federal government, uh, local government, we should be able to get enough arms, enough uh, shots in arms by Labor Day uh, to begin transitioning back to a new normal. But that requires a lot of help from localities, from the federal government, from the state, getting more vaccinators. Uh, yesterday was very positive news that with the cooperation of President Biden, they opened up another super site uh, in the Oakland uh, uh, Stadium uh, and also at Cal State LA. I recently got a vaccine at Dodger Stadium, another super site. There's one in San Diego, Petco Park. So the more of those super sites that people are familiar with, the more quickly we'll get people vaccinated, the better people will feel about life and the closer we get back to normal. You mentioned the vaccine. The pandemic is still top of mind, but now we have this recall that's being discussed. Of course, you were the last governor to be recalled. You had a lot on your plate at the time as well. Of course, nothing like this pandemic. Can you describe what it's like when you're trying to govern and also deal with a recall? Does it bring, you know, your agenda to a halt? Well, first of all, let me say, I'm not sure that the recall is going to qualify. And even if it does, I'm very confident that he will win. A couple reasons. Uh, first of all, when I uh, uh, recall election in 2003, 46% of the electorate were Republicans. That's down to 26%. So clearly, even in the most recent polls, uh, Governor Newsom is ahead, and now he has the very good news of two vaccines developed in 11 months, which is which is an all-time record. It used to be four years for the months, now 11 months for two vaccines. So the most vital thing is getting those in the arms of people as fast as we can, and sometime this summer or, or um, early fall, people will realize 
we've got this thing lit. We've got it behind us. It's in the rearview mirror. We can get back to some semblance of normalcy. What about messaging? You know, folks want to feel like that their government and their elected officials are being straight with them. You know, if they don't know the answer to a question, they say it. Do you think that the governor can do a better job of just being a little bit more accessible and have, you know, be a little more authentic with people? Because he is criticized for, you know, being sort of insulated and shutting himself off from the media. Boy, I disagree with you on that one. I mean, uh, uh, I can't recall a governor that's been more accessible to the media uh, since World War II. He does at least three press conferences a week. A lot of it focuses on COVID. He's also focusing on uh, getting uh, schools reopened, getting people back to work, uh, uh, dealing with EDD and some of the other issues. So I think he's been very transparent and when he makes a mistake, he, he, he owns it. I shouldn't have done that. I won't do that again. So he's been transparent. I, I think the vaccines, which weren't approved until effectively January 1st of this year, have totally changed the dynamic because they hold the promise of a better tomorrow. And I noticed he was at the Oakland Coliseum yesterday. I think he should travel more, but, but what he should talk about, and he's already doing this, is how people can get a vaccine, let them know other ways they can sign up on, online, um, because the more sites, the more people to sign up, the quicker that's done, it, it's, the better it is for everyone. But what I meant, too, is just the, the back and forth. You know, the, the environment is very controlled. It's four yes. questions, and, 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 and that's pretty much it. Should it be more of a, you know, open event as we can with social distancing and masks to make sure that it is safe so, you know, everybody feels like they're getting their questions answered we're getting as many things addressed as we can i mean that's a, I, I get that's a lot to ask from somebody with so much going on right now you know i'm not going to micromanage that part of the process but every time i uh, tune in i there's a, there's i didn't know it was four questions it seemed like it was more than that to me um when he was giving us briefings from the governor's office of emergency services so i'll let you guys figure out uh, your how many questions are <laughs> But just being accessible, I and mean, I used to have maybe two press conferences a week, and they were in different parts of the state. I grant you it was a different time. We didn't have social media. I don't think accessibility is the problem. I think the problem is dealing with the Trump administration that thought it did a good job in getting vaccines available, but then left it entirely up to the state to figure out what, it, what happens after they were delivered to the state borders, uh, and entirely up to the state to get PPE equipment earlier in the year, and the governor did a good job of that. Uh, so you know, he's getting better. Every week we're getting better at what we're doing here. And I just asked people's patience for another couple of weeks and then light bulbs will start going off in their heads sometime in the spring or early summer as they realize, you know, we're getting through this. Next on Inside California Politics, those behind the effort to recall Governor Newsom say they're closing in on their signature goal. Rescue California Chairman Tom Del Vaccaro on that effort. Two new polls are presenting slightly different outlooks for Governor Newsom and those who support a recall. A new Berkeley IGS poll suggests 46% of Californians 
approve of the job Governor Newsom is doing, while a poll by the Public Policy Institute of California suggests 52% of voters approve. This week, we spoke to Tom Del Beccaro, the chairman of the Political Action Committee supporting the recall effort. Tom, this is the sixth attempt uh, by Republicans to recall uh, Governor Newsom since he took office in 2019. It, if it succeeds, it would be only the second out of 54 attempts to recall a California governor in the history of the state. Why do you think this uh, attempt to recall him has a, a better chance of succeeding than the others? Well, if you look at all the issues on the table, whether it's the delivery of water, electricity, the wildfire issue, high poverty, and now the response to COVID, it's really touching the nonfeasance or ineptitude. It's touching so many Californians, and that's why as of Monday, the recall effort expects to reach 1.4 million signatures. 1.4 of which at this point, less than half a million have been verified. Uh, do you expect, do you have any anticipation on what percentage of that 1.4 million will be verified? Uh, well, we're shooting for 1.8 million overall. The counties, of course, are, are verifying, but they're behind. We expect an update in early February, and that number will move up. There's no obligation for us to turn them in early. We could have waited till the last day to turn them all in. We're just trying to expedite matters. Governor Newsom says this recall effort is going to cost taxpayers $81 million. Um, if this does get to the ballot, it would come at a time when Governor Newsom has just over a year left on his term. Uh, wouldn't it make more sense for Republicans just to, if he's that unpopular, beat him at the uh, the ballot box in 2022? Well, now we know that the welfare fraud scam has cost at least 11 billion and maybe one, maybe 31 billion. That dwarfs his 80 million dollar comment. And if we had a reasonable governor in place this fall, they could veto that person could veto over 500 spending bills which would add to the already mounting debt for California. California simply can't afford to have Governor, governor Newsom anymore. We have, for the record, invited uh, the governor to come on the program on a number of occasions, and so far he's declined. Uh, if this recall goes before voters, they'll be asked to, gal uh, to cast a ballot for who they would like to replace Governor Newsom with if, in fact, the recall succeeds. As you know, Kevin Falconer, announced uh, his bid for governor this week. John Cox is a confirmed candidate. Uh, in the Gray Davis recall, there were 135 candidates. In your mind, uh, who's the ideal candidate to replace uh, Governor Newsom if, in fact, it, it, it makes it to the ballot? Well, as chairman of RescueCalifornia.org, I'm not allowed to get into candidate choosing, but I will say this. I think the next governor should be one who seeks to fix problems and not play politics. Not everything has to be ideological. You can work like, say, the governor of West Virginia with the private sector to roll out vaccines. You can do things in Florida that involves more than just government unions. So the next governor should come forward with practical solutions to these real-life problems people are facing and not get into an ideological fight. Coming up next on Inside California Politics, hear from two Sacramento insiders who have deep ties to two key figures involved in the last recall election. Inside the bullpen is next.
Two political insiders here in California are uniquely qualified to react to this push to recall Governor Newsom. Steve Maviglio, a Democratic political consultant, served as press secretary for Governor Davis from 2000 to November 2003, when Davis was removed from office. And Rob Stutzman, a Republican political consultant, was Governor Schwarzenegger's deputy chief of staff for communications. They both joined us now inside the bullpen. Steve, first question to you. Should Governor Newsom be worried about this recall? Of course. Uh, it is a threat to his gubernatorial reign right now. It is a major distraction to what he's trying to do. And uh, you can see the shark circling. So he needs to hit it straight on, head on, with a lot of force right from the beginning here and not let it gather any kind of steam, which it seems to be doing in the absence of that. Rob, your thoughts on that? I'd, I'd agree. I mean, if the IGS Berkeley poll is correct, only 45% of, of Californians would vote no on the recall. Well, he needs over 50% uh, to vote no. So, I mean, you can argue that he's already behind even today. Now, I, I think it's a bit more complex than that, but th those numbers certainly confirm there is real existential vulnerability for him politically. Considering both of your experience with recalls, Steve, you being in the governor's office, you know, pulling from your experience, what should Governor Newsom and his team be doing right now? I think the first thing they have to do is really nail down the Democrats. Uh, Gray Davis suffered because he was getting knifed from the left as well as the right. Uh, so far, there hasn't been any strong Democrat who's come forward saying they're in support of this. They have to keep Democrats out of this race. Uh, according to that poll that was just recited, uh, you know, there's only a handful, literally 70% of Democrats are opposed to this recall. And they have to keep that majority very high and very strong. Because as soon as a Democrat steps or step, puts their toe into this race, the whole dynamics of it begin to change. And as you know, too, Rob, I mean, we don't have your former boss. We don't have an Arnold right now. Well, that's right. Although at this point in that recall 18 years ago, we didn't have an Arnold yet either. In fact, the leading candidate at that time on the Republican side was uh, Daryl Issa, who's now a congressman, but most importantly, never even ended up running. So we're very early in this process. I totally agree with Steve. The governor has to try to keep Democrats in check, which may do, be difficult for him to do. But then there's the X factor. This is a state full of rich people and wealthy people. And is there an Arnold equivalency? Well, you know, realistically, there very well could be. And that would be could be a huge devastating problem for the governor. Steve, do you think Governor Newsom survives a recall uh, if it does get the signatures? And we also have an election looming, too, in 2022. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ifs in the sentence you just said. Uh, and I think the governor is uh, somewhat right from his personal perspective right now and not trying to give the recall a lot of oxygen. He's already been asked if he's taken some actions because of the recall. If he has to answer that question for the next six months, he's in trouble. Uh, he needs to focus on his job. Uh, you know, he's made uh, this vaccination rollout a referendum on himself in many ways, saying, hold me accountable for this. And if there's a big flub there, I think he's in trouble. But I think, you know, by and large, uh, it becomes a choice between two people at the end of the day, like it did between Arnold and Davis. But there's no Arnold this time. Uh, the two Republicans are up there are one who lost the Newsom by 30 plus points and a mayor of San Diego who's uh, the Democrats have a great picture of him with 
standing next to Donald Trump and smiling, and that's a, a deal killer for him. So, you know, the governor needs to, needs to focus, be a good governor, focus on COVID, put this politics aside, and hope it doesn't qualify. Next on Inside California Politics, a Republican congresswoman has become the target of Democrats, and now a Californian is leading the push to expel her from Congress. Representative Jimmy Gomez on Marjorie Taylor Greene. The House of Representatives voting this week to remove Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene from her committee assignments. 11 Republicans, including Orange County's Young Kim, voted in favor. Now another California lawmaker has drafted a resolution to expel her from Congress. Representative Jimmy Gomez joins us on Inside California Politics. Congressman Gomez, you've uh, drafted a resolution calling for your fellow member of the House, Marjorie Taylor Greene, to be expelled from the House of Representatives. Uh, she claims now to disavow the conspiracy theories of QAnon, including her previously stated beliefs that uh, school shootings were staged and that 9-11 didn't happen. Uh, is that enough for you, or do you believe that she should still be expelled? I believe that Marjorie Taylor Greene should still be expelled because she helped incite a riot and a mob to break into the Capitol to overturn a presidential election that was free and fair. That's what the reason. Her her comments when it comes to QAnon, when it comes to the conspiracy theories, she never disavowed avowed them. If you listen carefully, she never uh, she never said she didn't believe 9/11 actually occurred. She said that it was an inside job. She also said that um, Parkland and these other shootings were staged in order to create a backlash against gun owners. So uh, she never disavowed. You have to listen to her her words very carefully, and she continues to mislead and even lie to the American people. As you know, the last member of com Congress to be expelled was Jim Traficant. That was back in 2002, but he had already been convicted of a number of felony counts before that vote took place. Some of your Republican colleagues say that you're simply trying to punish a member of Congress for views that they expressed before being elected, and that this sets a dangerous precedent. To that, you say what? Uh, I, it looked to January 6th. January 6th was three days after she was sworn into office. She spoke about the big lie and the stealing of an election that didn't occur. Just last week, she said an anti-Trump pedo, pedophile um, uh, hit list. Um, that is still in line with QAnon. That is still believes that the U.S. government is controlled by Democratic pedophiles who worship Satan and drink baby's blood. So she has never changed her point of view. But my resolution to expel her is based on the fact that she uses political violence as a means to an end. And that's what she did on January 6th when she was a sitting member of Congress. So I think they're looking for a way to distance herself from it, to excuse her behavior. But they're going to have to take a vote sooner or later to decide, are they on the side of truth, the American people, or are they going to continue to use violence and conspiracy theories to uh to further their electoral means to their electoral ends. Well, as you know, some Republican leaders have denounced her views, including uh, Senate Major Minority Leader uh, Mitch McConnell. He said that she's actually a threat to the Republican Party. 
But California's uh, Republican uh, leader in, in the House, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, he says while he condemns her statements that uh, she has made in the past, he has refused as of this week to strip her of committee assignments. What are your thoughts on that? I think that um, they sh they're both sort of wrong. Kevin McCarthy is really wrong. Uh, McConnell is sort of wrong. This is not about the Republican Party. This is not about Republicans or Democrats. This is about the, the health of our democracy. And that's one of the things I want people to focus on, is that she is a counselor to our democracy, not just the Republican Party. Kevin McCarthy, however, is um, he likes to talk tough. He likes to say that he's um, condemns, um, but he always talks out of both sides of his mouth. He could have held her accountable. He could have removed her from the committees. He chose not to because he is beholden to the QAnon caucus, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the 61 people that ended up voting to um, uh, uh, kick out Liz Cheney from, the, from leadership. So I don't think he's ever gonna step up to hold her accountable because he knows that he's trying to uh, win a majority in 2022. And I think he's dead wrong. I don't think he's gonna win on the backs of the QAnon caucus. Representative Gomez also spoke about his efforts to help bring a COVID-19 vaccination center to Cal State LA. For all of our full interviews, head to your local station's website and click on the Inside California Politics tab. Thanks for joining us for Inside California Politics. We'll see you back here next week.